this is not good. And the Lord said, but this sickness is for the glory of God. And the Lord knew the outcome. He knew the whole step-by-step -step process that would be gone through. I want you to come with me today and visit this grieving home of Mary and Martha over the death of their beloved brother, Lazarus. Now, we know that the Lord Jesus frequented this home often. We know that there he found almost a home away from home. He was no stranger, and they were no stranger to him. And we soon discover that the reason for many of our problems is that we are too self-centered. And the pleas and the issues that these women raised are really all answered. Just let the Lord do his work. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and we're back on a resurrection theme today, turning to the resurrection of Lazarus, as we find it in John chapter 11. We have Mae McClellan to sing for us also, a couple of pieces, Soul Are You Weary, and The Savior is Waiting. But if you'll open your Bible just for a moment at John 11, let's read these verses. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And on this marvelous theme and statement of God's truth, let us press on to let the Bible speak today. We have Mae McClellan now to sing for us. Soul, are you weary?
That was Mae McClellan singing for us, Soul Are You Weary? We're now turning to our message, John eleven twenty five, where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Turning to the pulpit ministry of our church here in Cloverdale. Our text today is John 11 and verse 25. John 11, verse 25. The Lord Jesus said unto Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I don't think any of us would suggest that the Lord could be late or that the Lord would miss a providential appointment. Nevertheless, in the minds of Mary and Martha, that was their conclusion because they, they said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, our brother would not have died. And yet as you read the early verses of this chapter 11, we find that the Lord deliberately withheld his attendance at the sickness of Lazarus. The news came to him, or in his omniscience, he knew all about it, and yet he delayed any response. And he told his disciples and broke the news saying that he was asleep. And here again we see the inadequacy of the knowledge of the disciples because they assume, well, if he's sleeping, that'll be a good thing. I must say that I found that myself this week. On Tuesday, after a recording session here at the church, I went home and I just felt as if I was struck with a thunderbolt of a cold. And I must say that I've probably slept more hours this week than I have for a whole year in my life, in any one week, that is. And uh, sleep is a good thing when your body needs to be rejuvenated. And so these disciples thought, well, he's sick. He's having a good rest. But the Lord meant that he was dead. And when that reality fell upon the hearts of the disciples, they thought, well, uh, this is not good. And the Lord said, but this sickness is for the glory of God. And the Lord knew the outcome. He knew the whole step-by-step process that would be gone through. I want you to come with me today and visit this grieving home of Mary and Martha over the death of their beloved brother, Lazarus. Now, we know that the Lord Jesus frequented this home often. We know that there he found almost a home away from home. He was no stranger, and they were no stranger to him. And we soon discover that the reason for many of our problems is that we are too self-centered. And the pleas and the issues that these women raised are really all answered. Just let the Lord do his work. Just exercise patience. Wait and see. Lazarus, in God's great purpose of spreading the gospel, is to become the greatest miracle the Lord Jesus ever did to date. And he is to become the most outstanding living witness to the uni-personality of the Lord Jesus. And those who have been with us over these weeks, I trust, know what I mean when I speak of the uni-personality of our Lord. He's not just man, but he is God in the flesh. And he is now in the midst of death, 
Now, Mary and Martha got it right. Lord, if thou hadst been here, our brother had not, would not have died. They're right. Because no one has ever entered death in the presence of the living Lord Jesus. And even on the cross, the two thieves did not die until Jesus firstly released his own spirit and ascended to be with his Father. Here we have, in this miracle of Lazarus brought out of the tomb, a little taste of the resurrection day. A little of the amazing peace and joy that will become the believer's portion when the Lord will answer the heartaches and the sorrows of this world on that resurrection day when souls and bodies will be raised up. Now, the purpose of this miracle is stated by the Lord himself. And if you follow a number of verses with me here in John 11, firstly at verse 15, uh, the Lord says, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe. The Lord's miracles were intended to create faith in those who needed a crash course in who the Lord Jesus was. If you go to verse 40, you'll find the same. Jesus said unto her, I said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. So again, this is about faith. And verse 45, many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. And so above all other miracles, this miracle was to create and establish faith in the Lord Jesus. Now when Lazarus went forth and we took note of those wonderful words, loose him and let him go, our Lord had his greatest trophy to date of one who would demonstrate his supernatural power and ability to conquer death itself. And so his words from this miracle on, they were no mere oratory. They were not merely to be taken as poetry. But our Lord Jesus lived as he preached. And as he said here to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And the miracle established the very words. And so this is a very convincing miracle. And I want to take that aspect of convincing today. And notice here, firstly, the providence of the Lord convinces us of his perfect planning. Perfect planning. And probably in the introduction, I've given away a whole lot of the insights that I've gleaned from this passage. The news comes, Lazarus is sick. The Lord Jesus remains in the same place. Mary and Martha are at home weeping. But the Lord says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And uh, the Lord arranges and organizes the very situation for his glory. Now, you may be with us here today, and your thoughts are that the Lord doesn't rush to my needs, and the Lord doesn't rush into my situation in life when I'm in urgent need. And I'm sure Mary and Martha's real thoughts when their brother was pronounced dead and the embalmers arrived and threw a shroud over his corpse, they thought that they had gone down into the depths of awful sorrow. But the Lord meant this to be turned to great joy and great gladness. 
We have to learn from this that in our Lord's providential planning, that he does everything well. And those things that we think are tragedies, there will come a day when they will be turned into our hope and joy and for the glory of God. And the Lord is still our comfort in the midst of sorrow and trial. And I don't know why, but in our opening prayer, I sensed the need to pray for someone here today who is going through a deep loneliness, a deep personal sense of being left out in the cold, abandoned. That's how Martha and Mary must have felt. Where's the Lord? Where's the Lord? He knows all things. He doesn't need a phone call. He doesn't need a letter. He doesn't need a messenger to arrive and advise him of what's happening to our poor Lazarus. And we know that he loved Lazarus. We know that he cared for him, but where is he? And those questions flow through the minds of the godliest of Christians. And we have to wait and be convinced of the Lord's perfect planning. The Lord doeth all things well. Also, the power of this miracle convinces us of his ability to do a saving work. Who dare argue about this matter now? doesn't matter what lawyers arrive with their files of information and all their arguments against the truth. This Jesus is no Messiah. The word is out, and the reality is sinking in. He, do, he is able to do such miracles. You'll notice that there was power in the Savior's prayer to the Father. Verse 42. As he stood at the graveside of Lazarus, he prayed in, in these terms. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. The prayers of the Lord Jesus are always answered. What a wonderful fact. What a wonderful truth. And as we have learned from Romans 8 today, that the Lord Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand, continually making intercession for us. The Father hears the Son, and as he prays for his people, he's always heard. The right answer is always given.
Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our Free Presbyterian Church. We're now entering the second half of our program here today, and I trust you've already been blessed through the word in song and this message on John 11:25. I am the resurrection and the life. And at the end of the program now, we'll be giving you all the details of how you may be in touch with us here, how you may order CDs, literature, and magazine. So thank you for joining with us. We're returning now to the program to the pulpit ministry of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. Now there was power in the Savior's call to Lazarus. Why did he have to call Lazarus by name? Could you imagine what had happened if the Lord Jesus had left it nameless? Uh, a generic call? Well then the whole graveyard bodies would have raised up. He had to mention Lazarus by name, or there would have been every resurrection in that grave. But the Lord Jesus demonstrated his mighty power. Now think of, of, of the miracle of this. Four days already, the, the decomposing of the body already sinking in, and the reality, uh, he stinketh. And all the embalming and all the perfumes could not hinder uh, the very process of degeneration already set in. And we may wonder, how did life ever come back to a corpse like that? How could it happen? And was it the brain waves that started up firstly? Or was it the heart flow of blood that started up firstly? What about all that coagulated blood through the veins of the body of Lazarus? You know, we could raise a multitude of biological objections to this and that's what the liberals and the modernists question. Won't you realize that we're dealing here with God incarnate, the creator of the world, who brought this universe out of nothing? He has the power to stand by Lazarus' grave and call him forth to perfect life and health. And when the Lord Jesus said, loose him and let him go, he didn't need a nurse to walk him down the, the garden. He was perfectly whole. I don't think he was even stiff. You or I were even just laying in one spot for four days, and we were told to get up and walk and go. Uh, we'd be holding our thighs and our knees joints and wondering, can I make it? But here is a perfect demonstration of the power of the Lord. People question, what's going to happen when the Lord returns on the resurrection day? How, how is it possible? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And what we have here is just a little foretaste of that glorious day when the Lord will not call Lazarus by name, but he will say, my people, my church, those for whom I died on the cross, all whom the Father hath given me, and I have become surety and redeemer. All who are united to me by faith, come forth! What a resurrection. What a demonstration of his mighty power. But this is also a demonstration of what happens when we are converted and saved. When you think of how worldly we were, how carnal-minded we were. Indeed, how rebellious we were to the things of God. The natural heart abhors holy religion. 
It seems that all men crave religion as long as they have a license to sin along with it. In the Greek world, they had their uh, deities and they had their uh, pantheons and they had their idol worship, but they also had their prostitutes and all the worldly wicked things that went along with so-called religion. And the men of this world are no different today. Give me religion, but also give me my sin. But when men are told to forsake their sin and to turn their lives to the living God and accept his Son, there is abhorrence to it. And that's why we needed a spiritual resurrection. We who were dead to God, dead to truth and spiritual reality, we needed a resurrection. And if you're a Christian today, there's an hour in your life when the Lord Jesus gave the command, come forth, come forth. And whatever was binding you, whatever trappings, traditions, chains of the devil, the vices of this world, the depravity of your own heart, the stupidity of your own mind, the Lord Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And if you can remember a day, as I can remember a day, when the Lord moved me to find a Bible that I could read His Word. In fact, the way the Lord dealt with me, I wanted to read the Ten Commandments, and I couldn't find it in the Bible. My sister had a shorter catechism. She was younger than I was, and she was still going to a Sunday school. And I knew that she had a catechism, and I went looking for her catechism that I might read the Ten Commandments. I think of that. 18 years old, never a thought of God, and I wanted to read the Ten Commandments. Was that the hour of my new birth? All I can say is, it wasn't the flesh. It was the Spirit of God. And it was some time later I came to the personal surrender and conviction of faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. But it is God seeking men, setting them free. And that's what the Lord does when he saves his people. If you're here today and you're not a Christian and you're wondering, can I ever be saved? Can, can the Lord do this miracle in me? Can I have a new heart? Can I ever become a man of prayer, a man of living faith to walk with God in peace? The Lord is the Savior you need. And he can do this miracle when he says, come forth, loose him, and let him go. There's the power. Now we come to the proofs of this miracle, and again we have to we have to be very careful. We don't build upon some kind of uh, a false ground here. We need the proofs, and we need to search the scriptures here and look for it. First of all, proofs that Lazarus was really dead. You know the old argument uh, that the Lord Jesus, when he was three days and three nights in the tomb, he wasn't really dead. Therefore, it wasn't a real resurrection. And the same with Lazarus. Somebody are going to say, you know, well, he wasn't really dead. They just thought it. Well, uh, let's notice that the Lord Jesus himself said it. He's dead. Uh, if he sleepeth, he doeth well. No, Lazarus is dead. He's dead. Then Martha and Mary said it. They came to Jesus, both of them individually, and they said, if you had been here, my brother had not died. So they were convinced. And in verse 37, you'll notice that Mary and Martha's friends said it. 
Some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? So it wasn't an in-house secret. All the friends of Mary and Martha also said it. There was no one in this account that sought to argue the point, Lazarus is not really alive. No one wanted to look a fool. They couldn't argue against the fact of a living man, Lazarus, walking around. They couldn't do it. Then proofs of his resurrection, verse 45, you have the friends of Mary, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, they believed on him. They saw it with their own eyes, and they believed. Then you have the friends of the Pharisees, verse 46. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. These friends of the Pharisees who had seen the miracle, or at least seen Lazarus walking around, they went off to report it. They believed it. And then the Pharisees themselves, verse 47, then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. Chapter 12, verse 9, you have a whole multitude of people. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also. Lazarus became quite a phenomenon. People wanted to see him. And the more that Lazarus lived on, the more people became convinced of the power of this miracle. Now our Lord Jesus worked with great conviction and genuineness. There's nothing phony here, nothing hidden, no secret agenda. And all of this all added to the truth and the reality that our Lord Jesus did indeed raise Lazarus from the dead. Now, without going through all these areas, we have to conclude this. All who hope in the Lord Jesus as the resurrection and the life will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. 
Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the home page of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 187- 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music